Today's show is being brought to you by contributors at Patreon. Go to patreon.com backslash the education game to support the show and thanks. Hey gamers, this is Matt and today we've got a great interview, one that continues our efforts to help you learn how to become your child's head coach. Now remember, it is your job to actively build and execute your child's learning plan. Why? Because your child's school can't do it. They won't do it. School was built for a completely different time, a time when grades were more important than actual learning, when what you knew mattered, but not what you could do with what you know. That matters now. So these podcasts are meant to create nausea in the listeners, particularly the parents who watch their child take state-mandated tests and assignments. You should feel nauseous because that means your child's school is preparing you for 1985 and not 2035, where curiosity, creativity, problem solving, and character are gonna matter so much more than ever before. So with that happy introduction, let's get into our podcast. This is Matt with The Education Game. Hey gamers, uh, welcome to another edition of the Education Game podcast, vlog. Uh, I'm Matt and I'm here with uh, a crazy interesting guy, right? We have really interesting people that come on the show and and here's one um, who, as before, I'll just tell you, before we started rolling the video, um, I just was doing a little bit of introduction and learning about him and he just immediately like blew my head off because, Avi, do you want to mention what you said? Uh, yeah, I, I haven't lived before COVID hit. I hadn't lived in any one place for more than about three weeks max in a good seven years. Uh, no apartment, no base. So, okay. So, so, you know, it, when I grew up, that meant you were homeless, right? Is that what you were living on the streets, dude? Were you like, no, no. Uh, panhandling? No, no. So, not at all. And I come from, I, I, it was privilege really that allowed me to be able to do this. Yeah. Uh, it was not, I have no money. So, and because of lack of opportunity, so let me figure it all out while I move around. It was, it was a, I have this unique opportunity to learn about people all over the world yeah. and learn with teachers all over the world and learn with students all over the world and learn about people that become the people we feature in our stories all over the world. Let's go do it. Let's go yep. try and do something with this privilege and make something meaningful out of it. So let's back up, right? So I want to understand when you say this privilege, I want to understand exactly what you've been doing for the last seven years. Um, you know, from what I've seen, this is what you're doing is fantastic. And I want to make sure other parents understand that this is kind of how learning is shifting and changing on us, that there's all these folks like yourself who are immersing in these completely different cultures and then bringing that information back to families and kids. And so give us the story, give us, give me your journey. Tell me how you, what you've been doing the last seven years and, and, and what motivated, uh, this move. Yeah. So it goes back a little farther, okay. uh, I guess, as it always does. I, I, when I was in middle school, uh, my, my roots are in India, and mm -hmm. I started having opportunities to go to India to visit family. And I started having all these questions. Uh, why is it that this person, this kid my age, is begging for money on the street? Why, mm -hmm. why am I being asked for money 
by another probably 10, 11 year old when like, doesn't this person who seems awesome have food and money? I mean, so what is, well, you, what you is were, you were about the same age at the time as yeah. you were 12. Okay. Yeah. 10, 11 years old, 2001. Yeah. 11. And why is it that this person who is driving us to this place sleeps outside when we sleep inside? Mm. Why does that happen? And it wasn't from a place of, I see injustice. It was from a place of, I have no idea what is going on. I mean, don't we just take care of each other? Like, mm. isn't that the way the world works? And I was growing up in a bubble, yeah. as most kids do. That's right. Because we don't know that there is inequity and injustice in the world until we are exposed to it and until we are able to actually have conversations with people we trust mm. about it in a way that is not, oh, that's, that's okay, just worry about that when you're older, or, oh, that's just how the world works. Right. Because for me, it started to become, well, that, that's not a working world. I mean, if, we, if that's how the world works, and you're saying someday you can get up and grow up and, and give back, or someday you can try and do something about it, I was sitting there thinking, I just don't get it. If, if we know that there are people without food on their table, why isn't everyone scrambling to do something about that? Wow. That's I mean, how is that not like, I, I still ask this same question today. Why is that not the way humanity functions? Mm. I mean, mm. if we know that there's inequity and injustice and that some people don't even have enough food to eat, enough money to, to live, why is everyone not thinking about that? So this, oh, so, so yes. So you are touching on something that other folks have talked to me about, and that's the importance of travel. Because we, you know, in the States, we, we, we think that, you know, woe is me when, I don't know, I don't know, the, the burger that we get is, is undercooked, right? Uh, but what you did at age 12 was you actually saw real injustice, real poverty, real trauma. And it, it, it like you said, it, it caused you to have this intense curiosity and also this social desire to change things. Yes. Yeah. And, and I think complementing that or, or alongside that was the understanding. And I was a silly kid with like, I was playing basketball and I was like doing whatever else kids do. Yeah. Um, yeah. It wasn't like my life's work became doing this at age 11. But it was something I was thinking about and asking mm. questions about and still ask questions about now and bothering everyone around me about it until now. And what happened, though, over time was I learned there's injustice and inequity in Buffalo, too. Yeah, yeah. There's injustice yeah. and inequity down down the block in my school, in our community. And so for me, as I had good teachers and people around me exposing me to the world, I started to see and understand there is a complex world out there, even here where I am, that I want to understand. And mm. I, I also want to see change, but also I was reminded by great educators that first we have to understand what's going That's on. Right. Seek first to understand. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, so then, so that was operating from 12 year olds, 12 years old on until at what point did you decide that you were going to actually engage in this social activity a little bit? Yeah. Um, so I guess it happened in different ways. In in high school, I had a cool, unique opportunity to teach geometry uh, for a semester. So I went to a pretty progressive school that allowed a 12th grader to do their free elective as a teaching thing and teach 10th grade geometry. And so oh, nice. it, was, it was an experiment in like, how do we try and make math class more collaborative and more relevant, more relevant. And it was a huge flop in a lot of ways because <laughs> I was a 12th grade kid trying to teach and teaching is hard. Yeah. yeah. So, but it was a huge eye-opening experience in retrospect in that I also saw there is opportunity to transform what we do in school. It's just yeah. going to, you can't just do it in a semester as a 12th grader. So it became this moment of there is room for a lot of change and improvement in the way we grow up teaching and learning. Hmm. And in college, I studied social entrepreneurship and studied, uh, a mix of things, I guess, cultural anthropology and education. And so those things all come together in the work we do now. Um, and started experimenting with ideas around how do we make learning more relevant, continuing on that with that question as we learn about the world and as we learned in different places around the world. Right. Right. So, okay. So then, so what point did you actually jump ship? Right. Did you actually after college? Uh, after so college. I, I, I tried to, I wanted to drop out of school. Um, I, I, a few times. Tell me <laughs> about that. So, so the way I remember it, because there's probably many ways, many different people see this. Uh, the way I remember it was for me, it didn't feel like what I was doing in school was more important and more relevant than what I wanted to do if I left school. So I had an opportunity to, to do my co-op. I went to Northeastern and we have the co-op program there. Mm -hmm. So I, I did my co-op, one of my co-ops teaching social entrepreneurship at my high school. So I, 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 was, I wanted to teach and I didn't have a credential as a, as a college student. And the only place that I, I guess I could think of that would potentially let me do that is a place that already let me do that once. And so park school was, was open to me coming and teaching a social entrepreneurship course. Yeah. And that course was an experiment in how do we expose young people to the world? Uh, I, had just been, I had just spent time in South Africa at, on a, on a program through Northeastern learning about all kinds of social entrepreneurship work going on in South Africa and came back with this feeling of, I, I really want to go, share this with young people and, and share experiences I've had and share about organizations we've learned about with young people, because I yeah. don't think college is the first time that young people should be exposed to the concepts of social entrepreneurship and the concept of inequity and injustice. Ooh. So how do we expose young people to social justice work, to social change work? And how do we do it in a way that's actually engaging? And the content I would curate then was boring, I suppose, is the summary. It was, it was videos that were not designed to teach kids about these concepts. They were often just marketing or donation, like fundraising videos yes. about organizations. Yes. So you take one of those and put it in front of kids and kids know 
what it is. It's not like they're like, oh, that's so cool. It's like, that's a, they're asking me to donate. Right. And, and it's like, yeah, but just focus on the part that was educational. And it's like, well, that's not just, that's just not going to happen. So it, it was hard because there wasn't yet content to actually engage young people in the world in the way we wanted to. Gotcha. So let me pause you for a second. So you've hit on several themes here that I want to review for the families uh, that may be listening. So the first is just the importance of travel, not vacation, travel, right? Vacation, you wouldn't have seen what you saw. Uh, and it, it sounds like you, you got pretty close up close and personal with some of the folks that you were, uh, you were traveling around. Does, does that sound right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, and because it was, I, I think, I think what was so fascinating about my experience as an 11 year old or as a 15 year old in New Delhi was this is, this is a way I would have, I would have grown up if I was in India and my family had stayed there in an environment where inequity is present in your everyday life. Right. And wherever you are on the spectrum and it's not hidden like it can be in the US or or segregated as much as it can be in the US. Inequity is very vividly clear to everyone, not just the people who face it. Right, okay, so then, so travel opened all this up. Um, You really saw the world, how the world really works uh, and how injustice is actually fairly normal. Um, And it sounds like it also, it, it motivated you to do something about it. Um, operating in the background, not necessarily immediately, but it was back there the whole time. Um, I love the idea that your school gave you opportunities to experiment with how do you kind of do some things that are social justice. And then I really love that you said that we shouldn't wait until college to explore social entrepreneurship. And by the way, my daughters are both taking a social entrepreneurship class and they're 15 and 16 years old. Uh, because they have, they have, like yourself, they have other areas that they're passionate about. So that's, that's a really important element for families to hear, to make sure that we don't just, uh, we don't, we don't look at a 14 year old or 15 year old and say they're not capable of understanding or doing anything to, to fix this broken world. So that's awesome. Might be the most capable. Yeah, I think it, I, I'm, I'm, I'm increasingly thinking you're right. And I'm increasingly thinking that the 15 year olds are the ones that are going to actually fix this place. And, and the way I feel, I often say to people, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but I have lost hope in adults. And, mm. and I don't mean it as drastically as I say it, but I say it that way intentionally because what, I'm, what I mean is I've spent a lot of time with kids and I do believe that under 20, under 25 is the time in which if we can reach young people from age three to two, even up to 25, the whole time, every day, all the time with meaningful learning, kids will completely change the way our world works for the better. So that is a really interesting uh, tangent from where I was planning on going with this conversation. But you know, one of the things that is clear is uh, kids don't have any power right? They don't have any voting power. They don't have any economic, well, they have some economic power, but it all comes through their, their family. Um, and until age 18, they can't even vote. Um, but we also, as a society, we look at an 18 year old and we think, ah, in five years, that kid might be capable of doing something. Uh, when really from age 13 on that kid may have, if we had given them the freedom, 
to do all sorts of things. And so there's a conversation maybe for another time that we could have around what should school look like? What should learning look like, uh, you know, starting early? But I guess you're now trying to, that. yeah, well, you, you, well, I want to hear more about uh -huh. your video right. work. Yeah, cool. we'll do it sometime. But I yeah. want to hear more about how you now took all these experiences and this kind of pressure to, to change something, particularly in the world of education. And then what was the genesis of the idea and then tell me more about the idea because I'm going to want to bring some video into this conversation uh, and, and hear more about uh, you know what 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 caused me to reach out to you to, to schedule this interview. Cool yeah so after those experiences trying to drop out to, to build essentially what we're doing now yeah. um, eventually I am glad that my family and and teachers and everyone got me to go back because I met some of my favorite humans and mm. because I learned a lot of things that have helped us a lot in, in our work. Uh, I think one of the, the powerful moment was after school, I knew I have to pursue this and I can't go, I didn't want to, I could have, but I didn't want to go work somewhere first and potentially lose sight of what I really, really, really mm. care about and knew I wanted to do something with. And yeah. so for me, there was this kind of, I am bent on building this and nothing can stop me. And, and I want it to be we, but even if nobody joins, I will not stop trying to do this. And I, I feel like in 2014 is when we, because there's some side things that happened. We first started trying to build an ethical marketplace while telling the stories of incredible people behind the products that are made ethically to then educate about what it means to buy better. That was the first step. Mm -hmm. Then over time, we realized we don't really like selling stuff and we don't really like consumption. Um, it's important that we buy better, but that's not our life's work. Yeah. We were just trying to fund and figure out how to fund, learn better. Yeah. which was what we do now. And so in 2014, we shifted from building out that marketplace to just focusing on the content itself. What if we were to go make the stories about the people as an educational tool, purely yes. as an educational tool, not to sell something, not to help make money on something, just purely as an educational tool, because that's what we were initially even excited about anyway. Right. And what we've been thinking about our whole lives. How do we explore the world when most of us on the planet will not have the opportunity and don't often choose to go beyond the 25 mile radius of their home. Right. Right. Where they yeah. were born. Right. So, so you're solving the problem that I was getting at earlier, which is travel opens eyes, but, but 95, 98% of the people are not going to move beyond their country of origin or even their community of origin. Uh, and so now you're bringing videos to them. And, and the idea being, as we started in 2014 and 15, how do we do that in a way that is globally adaptive and globally inclusive from the beginning? Mm -hmm. So not later have this challenge of, now how do we translate this for an Indian audience? Now how do we translate yes. this for a Ghanaian audience? Now how do we translate this for a Nigerian audience? How do we translate this for a Colombian audience? How do we build something in the United States which will work anywhere, really? And everybody told me I was totally nuts, which I still hear. And I'm allergic to nuts, by the way. So I often feel like, well, <laughs> it's very strange. I guess I'm allergic to myself. But uh, the, the moment 
in which it started to click was a move to India. So in 2014, I moved back to India. We had a network there uh, and, and there was just kind of this leap of, you asked, when did I take the leap? The leap was leave the United States and yeah. move to Bangalore. And so that's where it felt like, okay, if we're gonna try and build something globally adaptive, let's go immerse in classrooms that don't have English medium as the always, as the ever present thing. And let's yeah. see what happens. We don't know yet what's gonna come from that. Let's go immerse and yeah. see what we can do. And so- Let me pause uh, you, All right? So, because again, my, my viewers and listeners are parents, and folks in education as well. But for a parent, I want to know what your parents thought when you finished your college degree, your parents, when you finished your college degree and you didn't say, I'm going to go and work on Wall Street or I'm going to join you know, this consulting firm. And you said, no, I'm going to go back to India and do some stuff with video. Not sure how it's going to work. What did they say at that point? Well, <laughs> I mean, so one, I love my parents and without their support, physically, like mentally, financially, sure, I would not be here. Amen. Uh, here, period, one, right. but also here, able to do this work that I'm privileged and able to do without them. I mean, of everyone on the planet, they're my biggest supporters. Really? And, and they, didn't, so, they didn't put roadblocks up. No, they did. No. So that was one. Okay. <laughs> uh, one was to clarify that for everyone listening. And two is, yeah, there, were, there was pressure to do other things. Yeah. And, and there often still is, um, not from them directly, but there is pressure from the world, from, yes. uh, from, every, from every corner of the world yes. to change paths. And there has been since the day I started thinking about maybe pursuing this. And so there was, what if you were teaching, you could make sustain. It, so it comes from a, the way I've understood it is everyone's fears were essentially the, the accurate, reasonable fear. Will you be able to make enough money to sustain yourself and raise a family and do all the things we did if you go this path? Mm -hmm. And since it's such an uncertain path, the fear was rational um, and, and to some extent fair. I mean, I, there, it's hard to support what I've done because it is not safe for most people to, to pursue this. And I'm aware of the privilege I have to have a fallback. Yeah, yeah. And I think after my parents and my family has done so, have done so much to put me in a position where I could have made a lot of money. Could have. Uh, and I don't mean this with like, like no, I, no. Just, I know I could have. Yeah. And yeah. to be able to, to, to choose to do this, I think for a lot of people just felt like, why not think about that later? Like go mm -hmm. become secure first. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was like, this is my life's calling. Got it. So I will do it. Right. And you said that earlier, you said, I'm going to build this and nothing can stop me and no one's going to get in my way and I'll do it alone if I have to. So, but again, I, you know, as a parent who might be hearing this, and again, I'm a parent, I've got, uh, um, you know, three kids that are all of high school age. Um, one is very traditional, but two are like, 
not sure where they're going. It took a long time for me to get to the point where I'm like, you know what? I don't know what the right path is for this child. And for me, you know, again, I'm a person of, of Christian faith. And so I also say, you know, God is calling this child to do something and I don't know what it is. Um, but I, I still want to hear a, a little bit, maybe, maybe not. Well, I don't want to put your parents on the spot, right. In, in this conversation, but, but I can understand that they were hesitant at, at least, um, yeah. to hear about your plan. How did you convince them? And what might you say to other parents who are equally hesitant when their child is saying, there's something on my heart and, you know, I need to do this. What would you, what would you say to that parent? I know it's going to be hard. I can't relate because I'm not a parent. Uh, though I can, I can try and step into the world of my own parents who felt scared to see me go down a path that promises almost no security financially. Um, if you trust your child and their intuition and their gut, and they seem clearly committed to this, not for, not for becoming famous, not for making a lot of money, not for things that you don't see as fulfilling in life, but for things you do see as meaningful and fulfilling. If you hear mm -hmm. that in your child, mm -hmm. if you hear, I might not make money in my life, or I might, but I know that I'll be doing what I love doing and what I believe can make a huge impact on the lives of all of us, yeah. then what better risk to take in life? Yeah. So, so I want to get to, again, for, this is great, Avi, this is really cool. I, I, the, the idea that um, you were making a risk at doing something that's hard, uh, as opposed to staying and doing something that um, you know, quote unquote, is easy getting a consulting job or something like that. There, increasingly, jobs are moving and they're so flexible that increasingly, I'm telling parents I'm working with, I'm like, it it might be actually a smarter move. It may be lower risk to do the thing that is eight non-standard because we don't know where things are moving, and as a result, the skills that you might be developing might very well be the exact skills that are needed. In five, in five years. Uh, and so this was two, 2014, you said, when you left? Uh, I graduated in 2013, spent a year trying to build that marketplace. And then, yeah, yeah, 2014, went to India. Gotcha. Okay. And so, you know, now as tech has blown up, the skills of videography that you have obviously developed are incredibly in demand, right? And if you wanted to move and do something and make a lot of money, you could. But let's go back to this work and the videos that you have been creating, and I've seen some online at your website, and they are moving, they are inspirational. Um, you know, so tell me, how, what does that work like? How, how, when you're when you're on 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 set or I guess shooting in a community, what happens? Tell me, tell me some details around that. Yeah. So the initial idea, and, and we were kind of getting into that when we were talking about how do we make it globally adaptive, and this yes. ties in both. So. Right. The initial goal was to never have to make original content, just find good stuff and curate it and build a curriculum out of it. But it's and then there. over and, and over time, we saw it's just not there. Right. And teachers would say and students would say, but yeah. often mostly teachers would say what you're curating just doesn't do it. And why don't you go try? 
and and I love cameras. I've been playing with cameras since I was little. Is that um, right? My yeah, I mean, my dad liked photography when I was yeah. growing up. There was a camera around. Like I, we had video cameras. I was always playing with cameras, and never pursued it as like a career idea. But it was the moment of well let's go make stuff <laughs> like let's go make beautiful stuff if people are saying it's not out there and we're not able to find it either let's let's find a way to make the youtube or the netflix where it's just so highly curated and perfectly beautiful that you don't have to worry about sending your kid to this website and seeing like let's see what they found it's like no we're going to bring you really powerful stuff yeah, and so yeah. in 2015 we had this moment of so much feedback coming back around the words move too fast for my students. Huh. And that would keep being said by, uh, that wasn't really a sentence, but I, I would keep hearing that the words move too fast. People speak too fast. They're speaking too much in English, like, and in like a fast English. This wasn't made for our students. And it's true. It was not made for those students. And so that was this moment of, Okay, well, let's just pull the words out. Like, what if we just pulled the words out? And I, what if we did it in a way that kept the essence of the story alive and potentially yeah. even brought it to life more? Without words. Because if we pulled the words out, we could focus more on what's actually happening. I mean, right. Matt, when you walk down the street, there's no voiceover or narrator <laughs> telling you in your ears, like that person across the street, ate this for lunch and, right. and does this on the weekends and like has three kids and helps with their homework. Like, right. And that person's happy and that person's having a bad day. Yeah. We don't have that. Yeah. Narrative. You yeah. don't have it. You don't have how they feel. You don't know if they're depressed. You don't know anything, but you can choose whether you're going to make up that story and assume it all. Yeah. And you can choose if you're going to take all the things that we've been wired to think about that person and then just be like, yeah, that's probably what the like, what that human is like, what he, she, they is like. Hmm. And this kind of gives us the moment to step back and say, well, wait a minute. We don't know. Hmm. Let's, let's wonder. Yeah. And we pair those videos with written stories that I studied cultural anthropology in school. So the, there's a pairing of written stories that are essentially like mini ethnographies with the people that we profile to, to learn about the person's life and share from their perspective, from that person's perspective, to share from that person's perspective, who that person sees that person as and, and what does that person feel? What does that person think about? And how do we message that in a story for kids to engage with almost as if they're together. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Avi, there's, um, you know, one of the video excerpts I saw, um, you know, oh, sorry about that. I don't know if the, if the gentleman was, I'm not sure where, where, from what part of the world he was in, but the expression on his face and you get, you had a really tight image of him and he was smiling. I can imagine a time in my life when I might have looked at that and he had long hair and, um, I can imagine a time looking at that individual and being afraid. But when I saw that image, 
I felt like I was with him, right? I felt like I was standing next to him and we were sharing. A, in fact, it made me smile, right? And I'm sure the kids watching would see that someone smiling like that, so authentic and, and feel similarly like I'm with that guy, right? Don't know much about him. I, of course, I only saw the excerpt, but you have now a story about that gentleman, right? Um, and the kids then, what do they do after they see the video and after they you know, read a bit of this ethnography of that individual, what happens then? Yeah, and so this is something we could also screen share a little or, or that could be woven into this video for sure to just kind of skim the text. But the idea is that you learn about a person through a wordless video, and then you move into written stories that share more about the person's life and also where the person asks you questions. Oh, where, questions, the, where the, the actual person, person's asking you, the videographer questions? The, and also then whoever's watching it. Like, right, the students. So yeah. we're having a conversation in real life. We build questions that then the student can read and engage with. So Gunny, the rice grower in India, or Shantanu, the chaiwala in India, or Latasha in the United States, who's a musician and an artist, can ask questions of the viewer oh. that relate to math, that relate to literacy, that relate that relate to creating great discussions, that relate culture. to science, culture, history, everything yeah. you can imagine. Life, yes, in a way where kids now get the opportunity to almost do the practice of learning about people, learning about different cultures, learning about different perspectives, ways of life, from a really young age, as a storybook, essentially, with yes. video. Yes. So think of all the stories we read growing up that were super not culturally affirming. Oh my gosh. <laughs> How do we stay? It doesn't matter who you are, where yeah. you're from. We have stories where you will feel like, sometimes I feel like I can relate, sometimes I don't. That's life. How do I engage with all these different people who look in all these different ways and act in all these different ways and just appreciate learning with all of these people? Yes, and that we're all on this journey together. Right, yeah. we're all in this big ball in the sky, right? We we so, um, you know. I, again, I'm a parent, and when I hear conversations like this, I always think to myself, "Oh my gosh, I wish something like this was available when my kids were young." Because we had to spend a lot of effort in trying to decouple what they hear about and see in the imagery on the news, or yeah. you know, whatever. That it, it's it it's so distorted. Um, and it's oftentimes biased, right? And um, and so we had to do a lot of unbundling and, un and retraining, frankly, that, hey, people are people and some people are bad and some people are good, but most vast majority of people are good and et cetera. So is this something that is only available through the school environment? No, no, absolutely not. I mean, Matt, side note, when people ask like, so, okay, you would really do this if, if you had no money and no support. And I say, yes. And I know it. It's for another reason too. If I have kids and when I have kids, I want them to have the most incredible learning platform ever made. Sure. And I want them, I want to trust that my own kids, which I do not have yet, will be able to learn in the way I wish I could have mm -hmm. yeah. and go whatever path you want after that. But first, 
make sure you approach learning in a way that is meaningful, culturally inclusive, that, that helps you understand the world in a dynamic way, not in a prescriptive way. Yeah. So we built it in a way that is meant for a parent at home to be able to say, you know, we have Netflix, we have Amazon Prime Video, we have Hulu, but like this other thing is the same price and highly curated for my kids hmm. and has written content. And like, if I wanted, I could pull my kid out of school now because they could just learn their math on this website. Yeah. Like yeah. you want them to practice fractions. Like I could just send my kid to this website for the day. So yeah, we, we made it in a way that's intentionally ideal for homeschooling. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and the language I use is not even homeschool. I talk about home learning or home learning, learning, learning in the world. Cause every kid learns all day long, whether you want them to or not, it's just a question of what are they going to be learning? And so right. what you're describing is uh, a tool and again, I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm baffled by how obvious a solution this is to a problem that's persisted for a long time, but also how you have, you really, you know, um, solved a problem that, uh, that no one else looked at the same way. And so, so a couple things, again, for parents, I want to, want to unbundle or unpack a little bit of what I heard from Avi so far. Um, um, the first is that he, showed a level of commitment to take this quote unquote risky step. Um, and, and that, that in itself means something, right? Again, as a person of, you know, my, my Christian faith says that God put something on his heart to do something and, and for him not to do it, uh, you know, it would be, would be a sin, right? Um, that's the first part. The second was um, he studied an cultural anthropology. He, uh, I don't know if you studied videography, but you liked cameras. Played with it. <laughs> yeah, played with it. And you liked to travel. Is that accurate? Yeah. So yeah. he merged three disparate activities into one. This is the type of new kind of uh, learning that we have to, as parents, have to understand that, that learning is no longer linear, linear. It probably never was. But now the kid who has an interest in anthropology can marry that with videography and marry it with travel. And now he's building something. Right? And with writing. And writing, of course. Writing. Our team loves writing. I love writing. Uh, and and I, I think it's like, if I could add, with a social justice or social entrepreneurial bent, like how do we do this in a way that is not just video or not just writing, but to, to take the the interconnected challenges we have in the world, untangle them and figure out now, we, we used to be called reweave before Better World Ed. How do we oh, reweave a, a more beautiful future? Yeah, yeah. Have you heard of um, the Japanese term for purpose? It's called Ikigai. Yeah, yeah yes. so, uh, you know, I've, I'm, I'm in the middle of shooting a video that talks about it, but for the families that are listening and, and may not be aware, it's, it's a blending of things that you like things that you're good at, a mission or a problem in the world or a problem in your community and a way to earn money. And where all four of those overlap is your purpose. Is that's, this is the kind of the philosophy. And I've seen this repeated. And, and so Abby's describing it. The things that he likes, things he's good at, 
the mission that he wants to make in the world. And now he's creating an income stream associated with that. Sort that of. is, well, sort of, right? So, <laughs> I mean, and, and like you said, even if it's a very minuscule in, income stream or no income stream or a great in, income stream, you're still going to do it. And that is, that is a, a wonderful place to be. And for a parent, I want my child to be there because I know that, that that child, yes, they may not be able to pay for some of the things that I might want them to have, but they are going to be happy. They're going to be content. Like, here's, here's the thing, Abby. One, one of the things that when I talk to parents, I always ask, ask them, all right, what do you want for your kid? Right? Give me, give me some of the terms you want for your kid. And happiness always comes up. But we never stop and really unpack what that actually means, yeah. right? Oftentimes, we kind of in our culture in Western culture, it's like happiness means you, you've got a Jaguar, right? And you've got a 4,000 square foot house. I know a lot of folks with 4,000 square foot houses, and they are horribly unhappy, right? Yeah. Uh, because they're purposeless. And what I'm hearing from Abby is here's a young man who, um, who has a purpose. It's inspiring him. It's causing him to wake up every morning uh, excited. Uh, he's doing things that he loves. He feels like he's making a difference. Uh, that's what, isn't that what you want for your kid? I mean, isn't, pa parents like, think about that, like dwell on that. Isn't that what you want? As opposed to the guy or gal who is working a job that they hate, they get up because they, you know, they feel like they've got so much debt that they have to get up and, and try to pay off some of the debt. Uh, they're keeping up with the Joneses, et cetera. I, I think, I think, I think our society is ready for a reboot on what happiness actually means for our kids. So Abby, this has been great. What else, how do, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, or first off, let me, let me back up. Are there other things that you'd like to express about what your work does or how it can be used? And then I want to hear a little bit about how families can get a hold of you and, and learn how to access your system and maybe hopefully give you a little bit of income in, in the meantime as well. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be nice. <laughs> it'd be, that'd be interesting. Yeah. I, I feel like I feel like the biggest thing, if, if there was like a takeaway, yeah, I f which kind of weaves together the story we've been talking about in my own life with the work we do and then with the parent listening right now. Yeah, yeah. Is I think Ikigai as an example is something we all say we want for our our kids for our our own life mm. and my concern for much of my life has been we don't seem to show it as a yeah. society yeah you're right and so we say it and we put the love live laugh stuff on our door right but until we show it in the way we choose what our kids are able to learn from what what things we we have that help our kids learn about the world in a meaningful way mm -hmm, mm -hmm. until we say yeah you know pursue that thing for more than just like a weekend here and there because you care about it and it's making an impact yes and until we say you know here's some seed money go try it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and just trust them to try it we are not showing what is possible with youth and then we are doing a disservice and it almost just it makes it easy for us to say how can youth be the future but we're not funding the youth that's right so that's right. what if we gave youth the actual opportunity and the power to to make the change we want in the world yes, yes. right now 
Wonderful. You, I don't know if you, are you a preacher? No. <laughs> I, I mean, I, just... <laughs> but I, but I find myself rambling. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I'm saying what you just described, what you just said was something that was clearly in your heart. And to me, anytime someone is saying what's, what's in their heart, they're preaching, right? Whether or not you put it in a different, you know, a, a faith category or not, that's, 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 that's something that'll preach. So I, I appreciate you saying that. How do parents get a hold of you and, and sample or, or purchase some of the videos uh, that you have available? So there's multiple ways. Uh, one is through betterworlded.org. Okay. Betterworlded.org is our website. It's a platform that's like a, a Netflix or a Prime Video or, or different, like a Khan Academy, but with global learning as the entire focus and with this kind of love, lifelong learning vibe. Yeah. Uh, the other place is you can email me. Uh, so my name's Avi, A-B-H-I at betterworlded.org. And then I'm sure you could also bother Matt and then Matt would introduce us if you can't. Feel you free to bother me. I'll, I'll forward you along to Avi if necessary. Yep. You could text us um, I, should I just give my phone number out? And then we also can make discount codes for any parent who's feeling like this is it and can't, doesn't feel like it's affordable yeah. in your own situation. So I, I, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend you putting out your cell phone, uh, no. although it's been done before <laughs> and I have done it. I've never been burned by it, but, um, uh, yeah, so so those are ways to to connect, and I think we started a conversation uh, about discount codes uh, uh, around how how maybe fan, listeners of this show can can maybe access it for a, a slight discount. Um, and so look for that in the show notes and um, uh, in the outro. I'll tell you a little bit more about that as well. So and, and we can make the code Matt Barnes <laughs> if you want. Why don't you, why don't you make it bald bald black guy? That's, okay. that's to me is a more descriptive term. You can do that. Bobby, <laughs> listen, dude, I, I want to, I, I, I'm going to share this conversation with my kids because if you were my son, I would just be over the moon. I would be over the moon. I don't know how much you're making, if you're making anything at all. And that, that is entirely okay because you strike me as a young man uh, who is, who knows why he's been put on this earth, Right. And, and that creates a sense of comfort. And I have no doubt that people who know why they're put on the earth are going to figure out a way to do the other things in life of paying their rent and, and having a family. And to any of any young ladies that are listening, um, Abby is available for, uh, <laughs> we could have, we could start a, we could start a, uh, a dating service here, Abby. So message me and I will, I will, you know, get some information and connect you to Abby. You know, you guys can go out on a date or something. Matt, you know, this would make my, so the other thing I hear from my family is <laughs> even if you don't make money, why aren't you married at least? Right. We're the grandkids. And so you've probably just made my whole family, when my family hears this, <laughs> you just made their life. That's right. Well, you, you, you haven't, you haven't seen the people that might call yet. So it's, let's just, okay. let's just hold off. And uh, right. cause there may be some, you know, 60, 70 year old women who are like, Hey, you know what, this guy, and I don't know what your tastes are. So. Right. We'll, we'll yeah. just let that figure. We'll yeah. just like, we'll figure it out. Well, listen, Abby, thank you. This has been really great. I am super, super, it's great to meet you. And we are not going to be done talking because I think we have some more scheming that we should yeah. be doing around Absolutely. how do we, uh, how do we change this thing we call education and fix this 
place we call Earth, uh, maybe in just a small way. So thanks for be being on the show today. And uh, uh, yeah, let's let's be in touch soon. All right. Yeah. Next time on the Matt Barnes show, we could do we could do that thing you were saying with the let's talk about what would school look like. Oh, dude. Yeah. Remember, at some point, I forget what we said, but it's in the recording, I think. Yes, yes, it is. That. I remember. Yeah. So we could go back and actually do that. I'd love to have the conversation around schooling from age zero. What could it look like? And, yes. and scheme on that. Okay, that is a that is a conversation that we need to have soon. So I'm going to I'm going to reach back out to you and then schedule that one for maybe a week or two from now. All right, let's do it. All right, cool. Abby, thanks for joining us. I yeah. uh, really appreciate your work and look forward to hearing more about it in the future. All right. Thanks, Matt. All Chat right. Soon. Take care now. Parents, I got to tell you, that's a cool dude. Um, Abby described a very cool idea. Some, and, and again, his whole journey has been very cool. So those are the things that I want parents to, to really remember and, uh, and definitely reach out to him. Uh, betterworlded.com or .org. And, uh, and take a look at his stuff. I'm going to look at it myself and possibly almost certainly purchase it. Uh, look for in our show notes, um, uh, discount codes that will allow you to access um, his, his videos for a little bit of a discount for listening to the show. So that would be helpful for him and, and help for me to know that, that you're valuing uh, this work that we're doing. So thank you very much. Have a great day. And this is The Education Game. I'm Matt Barnes. Thanks for listening, parents. I hope that this was useful, that it started to give you a bit more of an indication of how learning is shifting and, and the things that you as a parent need to be upskilled about. That's what we're about here in the education game. So we're thankful that you were here. Again, hopefully it was, list it was helpful to you. Remember, you can call us to ask us questions free of charge about your family and your child's educational plan and learning journey. Uh, go to our website at theeducationgame.com slash contact click on the button there and schedule a time for us to have a conversation free of charge, completely free of charge. And it's just a service that we provide. It's underwritten by supporters. So thank you for those supporters as well. Hope this was helpful. Looking forward to seeing you next time on the education game podcast. Take care.